from playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Welcome inside episode 54 of On the Board. My name is Colpin McKee. My goodness, it has been quite a minute since we've done one of these podcasts. The last date was August 21st. In that time, we were just finishing up round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The first round was just starting in the NBA playoffs. Baseball was having all of its problems with COVID-19. The NFL hadn't started yet, and I was an unmarried man. Now, October 7th, all of that has changed, uh, and I'm glad to be back here. No Lance Dahl, no Corey Bacoskis tonight, but we wanted to get back on the horn here and uh, give you some sports talk as we head into the last few days of all the major sports going on in and around our world. Let's start in the NHL. Uh, the last time we talked, the Tampa Bay Lightning were taking out the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round of the NHL playoffs. Well, they are now Stanley Cup champions. Well-deserved on their end. Big congratulations to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Anton Hudobin on the flip side for the Dallas Stars. Unbelievable story. Taking over for Ben Bishop uh, in the light of his injury. Him being unable to play for the Stars for the majority of their playoff run. Uh, Rick Bonus, head coach, did a hell of a job coaching this Dallas team through the entire playoffs. Uh, Well-deserved extension if it does come his way to uh, be the continued to be the head coach of the Dallas Stars. And the Lightning, I mean, they avenged the last year's demons with the Columbus Blue Jackets in the best way of all. Cannot ask for anything more. So big congratulations to Tampa. Uh, Gary Bettman just the other day mentioned that January 1st is what they're targeting for the 2020-2021 season to begin uh, in some way or fashion. So we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. Hopefully uh, everything is smooth. Might get some fans in the stands. Uh, We'll have to wait and see on that one. In terms of off-ice activities, the NHL entry draft took place last night and then today, October 7th, as I'm recording here tonight. Uh, No surprise who went number one. Alexi Lafreniere goes to the New York Rangers. An absolute stud. This Rangers team looking super exciting for many years to come. I mean, they got Shostrykton in the net. Kapokako last year's second overall pick. Panarin they signed last year. He was a Hart Trophy candidate. Uh, You add Lafreniere. You got Tony D'Angelo on defense. They moved on from King Hendrick. Obviously sold. They needed to make room for Shostrykton and the backup goalie there if they decide to keep him. But it's time to produce if you're a Rangers fan, I think with all this talent up front uh, on the D in goaltender, you got to be thinking playoffs next year. And they were mighty close this year. They obviously made it actually. And uh, they bowed out early in the first round, but uh, big things ahead for this Rangers crew and uh, very exciting to see what this team can do going into years to come. Obviously when you win the last two draft lotteries, you got a little bit of a head start, but uh, I digress. At number two, Quentin Byfield goes to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, what a better place to begin your career in the NHL than with your comparable in Anze Kopitar. Uh, two big guys, very skilled guys. Uh, nice to see Byfield go number two. They obviously went with the bigger player over who went number three with the Ottawa Senators. Tim Stoitzel from Germany goes number three. Uh, not only Stoitzel, but Sanderson goes number five. Uh, Ridley Grigg goes in the late 20s. So three first-round picks for the Senators. Obviously, a bunch of trades with the Eric Carlson deal and the Mark Stone deal in recent years. They get to acquire some young talent to add the already young pool of players. The future is looking bright in Ottawa. I can't believe we're saying that. Obviously, you still got uh, Eugene Melnick there as the owner. 
So we'll have to wait and see if uh, that changes any fortunes. But uh, very nice haul for the Senators on draft night number one. Also very cool if you check that out. Uh, number three pick, the Stoitzel pick. Alex Trebek announcing Stoitzel as the pick for the Senators was obviously the highlight of the night. That was fantastic to see. Good to see Alex Trebek uh, get some some play on national TV like that. That was super cool to see. Um, also, big deal today for the Senators, Matt Murray goes to the Senators uh, along with, or on the flip side, a second round pick and a young prospect heads to Pittsburgh. They just signed Jari to a deal in Pittsburgh. So Matt Murray, we knew was on his way out. Teams like the Senators who have to hit to the salary floor need to acquire a goaltender and they need some goaltending. They got a lot of young prospects, but not a lot of NHL ready guys at the moment. That now is all settled away with Matt Murray coming to the team. So just another talent, another player to add to the already young talent in Senators Nation. Corey's guy, Yaroslav Askarov, his boy, supposed to be going number five or in the top five. He goes down to number 11 to Nashville. Talk about a gluttony of goaltenders in Nashville. Pekka Rene still there. UC Soros, supposed to be the heir apparent to Pekka Rene. Now you throw in Askarov uh, in two to three to four years' time, obviously. He's still playing in the KHL. Probably going to need another year in the AHL of some seasoning. But a very bold move. A lot of teams were in the market. Uh, there was some talk if they could go in the top 10 uh, to reach for a goaltender. Maybe one of the Ottawa Senators picks potentially to get a goaltender. But uh, Nashville pulls the trigger on Askarov at number 11. Arguably the best goaltending prospect since Carey Price. So we'll have to wait and see in a couple of years if he actually pans out for the Predators. Uh, outside the top 10 there, just at number 10, Cole Perfetti falls to the Winnipeg Jets at number 10. A little bit surprising because a lot of the talk uh, leading up to the draft was that he could have been a top five pick, but somehow falls all the way to number 10. The Jets are going to love this kid. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of hockey sense as well, just completely driven to hockey 24-7. And uh, he could very well be the steal of the draft at number 10. Flames fans, uh, they traded down twice in the first round to get a couple extra third round picks, which they used today uh, in the entry draft. They still ended up with their guy, though, at number 24, Connor Zary from the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, he put up a big second half for the Blazers on their way to the playoff push in the WHL, or their lack thereof, excuse me, uh, with everything going on pandemic-wise. But fantastic player, great two-way centerman. Uh, could grow into his size a little bit more. Might need a quicker first step, but still a very good prospect for the Flames at number 24. And uh, last but not least, we'll wrap up the first round. The San Jose Sharks picking Ozzy Weisblatt with the 31st and final pick in the first round. And if you watch the uh, the camera setup on Sportsnet, they had all the families showing the reactions to the player being picked. And Ozzy's family went absolutely nuts. That was super cool to see. And a funny little tidbit there. Ozzy is the older brother of Tigers prospect Oasis Wiseblatt, who they uh, drafted. The Tigers drafted back in 2019 in the Bantam draft. So uh, could be seeing a lot of Oasis in the future for the Tigers. And then his older brother goes in the first round of this year's NHL draft. Uh, also on the Tigers front, Pittsburgh Penguins draft Lucas Fikoski in the fourth round, 108th overall. Uh, so the Tigers forward, who played a lot of his minutes on the first line this year. Uh, very nice to see him go in the NHL draft. Uh, hopefully we'll see him on the ice for the Tigers in the near, very near future. 
Just a quick little insert here in the podcast. Forgot to mention Tigers goaltender Garen Bjorklund also was a draft eligible player in this year's entry draft. He went in the sixth round to the Washington Capitals, 179th overall. So congratulations, Garen. Now back to the podcast. In terms of the Tigers' season, they're talking about the beginning of December. December 4th, I believe, is the date uh, they have etched in the calendar. With everything going on, you and I know that could definitely change going forward, so I'll have to wait and see on that. But I would love to see some Tigers hockey on the ice in the near future and uh, get back to some normalcy in that front. Uh, We'll transition over to the NBA quickly. I mean, everything going on, we have been off for a while. We're now at the NBA Finals, Lakers versus the Heat. Uh, As we are recording, it is 3-1 Lakers with Game 5 tipping off on Friday night. It's the battle of the superstars with LeBron, Anthony Davis versus the best overall team in the bubble in that Miami Heat. A lot of guys have stepped up for the Heat. Uh, Big moments from Tyler Hero, obviously Jimmy Buckets. Uh, Goran Dragic was their leading scorer heading into this final series. And losing him there in game one was been absolutely brutal for the Heat. He goes down with that torn plantar fasciitis. And uh, he's been struggling, trying to fight his way back on the court. He was practicing uh, in warm-ups there in Game 4. Obviously did not play in Game 4. We'll have to wait and see if he suits up in Game 5. Would be very difficult for the Heat to you know, scratch their way back in this series if Drogic is not a part of it. Uh, Bam Adebayo, though, came back in Game 4 after he missed uh, Games 2 and 3 with the shoulder injury. He's been banged up as well, but uh, he's kind of the only inside presence the Heat have, uh, both offensively, but then defensively trying to match up with Anthony Davis because Davis has been an absolute monster for the Lakers as we kind of all expected this series to go down. Uh, But yeah, Bam being back helps the Heat, uh, not completely, but it definitely helps them uh, on both sides of the ball. Jimmy Butler has stepped up with Drogic being out, uh, both offensively, and you know he's going to bring it defensively. He's been guarding LeBron a little bit and uh, trying to keep him tough guarded there. Uh, like I mentioned, Davis has been an absolute monster for the Lakers side of for things. LeBron's putting up near triple doubles every single game. When it comes down to finals MVP, could be happening Friday night. Who do you give it to? Do you give it to Davis and his monster points and reboundings? Do you give it to LeBron for his all-around efforts? You probably give it to LeBron because he's still been amazing and he's got that reputation. And uh, that'll be his, uh, his fourth title. I believe his third or fourth NBA Finals MVP, so just completely adding to the resume there uh, if it does wrap up there on Friday. For the Lakers side of things as well, the bench has been contributing in bunches. KCP playing defense, hitting the open three-pointer. That's been huge. Rondo, Rajon Rondo actually hitting a three-pointer? Are you kidding me? It's actually happening and uh, he's been playing some fantastic point and uh, team ball, racking up the assists like he always does. Kyle Kuzma to an extent, not specifically scoring, but more the little things, uh, diving for loose balls, keeping the ball in play, uh, just playing good team defense, which is something very rare for Kuzma. Uh, that's been prevalent in these last four games. Um, I guess the big question heading into game five, can Drogic play? Can he fight through the pain and provide some, even some of sort of a decoy for Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, and the folks there on the Miami Heat side of the ball. And uh, one final note with that one, the Lakers also playing in their special Mamba Mentality jerseys heading into Game 5 to honor Kobe Bryant in a potential title-clinching game. So as a fan, you you almost want to see that. I mean, in in a crazy year like this has been, losing the great Kobe Bryant, 
it's almost fitting that the Lakers would wrap it up in Game 5 wearing these Mamba jerseys. And uh, you know in the post-game press conferences, uh, LeBron's going to be mentioning Kobe a bunch and for obvious reasons. So very excited for that one to tip off. Like I said, Game 5 Friday night. And uh, we'll see if LeBron can win his fourth title in the NBA. That would be pretty cool to see. Uh, Transition to the NFL quickly. Crazy stuff going on. The Titans, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Falcons, Raiders, Chiefs, they've all had cases of COVID-19 in their locker rooms and around the teams. Uh, Basically started with the Titans. Uh, Actually, should mention the week prior, the Atlanta Falcons had one player go on the COVID reserve list, Uh, but nothing to the extent of what the Titans have gone through. Uh, Upwards of 20 people, both players and team personnel, uh, have been on the COVID list. Uh, The Patriots, they have some major players being affected as well. Quarterback Cam Newton, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore. Uh, they have both been contracted the virus and they are on the reserve list. Uh, it's a, certainly a question of whether some of these ga- uh, Week 5 games actually take place this week. We're waiting to see, uh, as we record here on Wednesday night, if there's any more updates regarding uh, teams and their COVID situation. Kind of the question we've been asking both Lance, Corey, and I over the podcast, can this system work in football? I mean, we had questions in baseball, and they've obviously had their scares, but they've come out the other side of things. And it it's almost a case of the NFL being defiant in the way that they are fighting this virus, quite frankly. I mean, they're a lot of lip service, but obviously you see the pictures on social media. The Titans are holding workouts off of their facility when they're not supposed to be. Like, what the hell is that about? And it's just crazy to see not only the Titans being affected, but the entire league, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I just saw a quote from Big Ben Roethlisberger saying that how this abbreviated bye week that they had to have because of the whole uh, Titan situation completely messed up his rhythm. And it could wreck uh, and disrupt the season for the Steelers for weeks and months to come. Like it just is not only affecting the Titans and their players. It's a league wide issue. And uh, things probably have to change. They need to change because if we keep having games moved, forfeited even, like that's going to mess the entire system up. And that's not what the NFL wants to deal with uh, as they try to get to some sort of a return to play plan. On the field, we'll transition to that quickly. Uh, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, those are the three big quarterbacks putting up gigantic numbers, playing at MVP levels this year. I mean, they are letting Russell cook in Seattle right now, passing all over the place and uh, still running the ball though well with Chris Carson. He's been uh, playing very well as a RB1 in fantasy, albeit with that really dirty tackle that one of the defenders, I believe on the Lions they were playing last week, that, that little alligator tackle, that was disgusting to look at. Very glad he uh, actually didn't miss a single week of action with that one. That could have been very bad for Carson and the Seattle Seahawks, but he's back, he's cooking, Russ is cooking, and that whole Seattle offense has been on fire as of late. Uh, Josh Allen, he's come out. He has improved so much in his decision-making. He used to make some bonehead moves last year. Uh, But this year, he's trusting his receivers. He's making the throws he needs to. He's got a new weapon to play with in Stephon Diggs. That is great to see on the field. And uh, in terms of Dak Prescott, I got him in fantasy. And boy, is he a balling out. That defense is absolutely atrocious. And that's part of the reason why the Cowboys have to keep throwing the ball Prescott putting up 450, 500 yards a game, uh, passing to his gluttony of receivers in Amari Cooper, Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke Elliott out of the backfield. The the list goes on and on. Fantastic uh, targets 
for Dak to keep throwing to. And uh, let's quickly go back to that Atlanta Falcons-Cowboys game. I know we didn't talk about that because we weren't in the podcast uh, at that time, but that crazy ending, oh my goodness. I think they talked about on uh, NFL Network on the red zone, they had a 2% chance of winning that game uh, when they were down like, what, 17, 20 points late in the third quarter. And the fact that it got to that onside kick, the miracle onside kick and uh, for the Cowboys to go down there and kick the game-winning field goal. Absolutely crazy stuff. If you're a Falcons fan, God bless you because they've had a rough go this year. Uh, We'll talk about their situation in just a few minutes. Um, In Arizona, though, one of the kind of questions I had going into it, DeAndre Hopkins leaving the Houston Texans, going to Arizona. How is that going to affect his target share, uh, his stats, because obviously he was one of the top receivers in the game when he was kind of a focal point in the Houston Texans offense. Well, he goes to Arizona, and that Hopkins-Murray connection has been nothing short of amazing. He leads the NFL in targets. Uh, He's been an absolute stud for fantasy, so that is working well for the Arizona Cardinals. Not portraying to too many wins at this point, but they hopefully will come, and uh, they just need Kenyon Drake to play better, quite frankly, because he has been a disappointment um, running the ball, and he might even be out here for week five. Yeah, I know he was dinged up at the end of week four. Uh, could just be the wind was knocked out of him, but we'll have to wait and see on that one if Chase Edmonds gets a start in that one. And uh, we'll transition one more time to the rash of injuries to stars in the NFL. You hate to see it, but so many guys, star guys, Um, have been on the IR shelves at one point or another. Probably your number one and number two picks in any NFL fantasy draft you were doing was uh, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Those two uh, both out for extended period of time. Obviously, McCaffrey should be coming back in about two, three weeks maybe. And Barkley out for the season with his torn ACL. Uh, Devontae Adams, he's been dealing with an injury. He should be coming back here in week uh, week five, excuse me. Uh, Michael Thomas, he was out after week one with a high ankle sprain. That's tough to see. You want to ease him back as much as possible because you don't want this thing to be re-aggravated and then you be out for the majority of the season. I know the Saints are in kind of a dire situation at this point. They're not playing up to their record and uh, that needs to change. And hopefully Michael Thomas can come back fully healthy to help out that Saints offense. It can't just be all Alvin Kamara campy to uh, in order to win uh, George Kittle he was injured for the last couple weeks alongside his quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo Kittle was back in a big way there in uh, week four on Sunday night against the Eagles he had like 15 catches 100 and some yards he was absolutely insane and uh, he was one of the only bright spots there for the San Francisco offense um, Julio Jones we talked about the Atlanta Falcons Ryan, Matt Ryan has been throwing it all over the place and Julio has not been on the receiving end of a lot of touchdowns. He dropped that main one there in week week two or week three after a special play thrown by one of the wide receivers. He's just not been healthy. I think the hamstring is really bothering him. I know he exited uh, week four with an injury. We'll see if he is going to be available to play here in week five, but that's a, a big blow for the Atlanta Falcons offense. Not only that, but their defense has been playing like crap as well. We just mentioned the uh, the blown game, multiple blown games uh, with Dallas and then the uh, the week prior as well. So it's just bad situation if you're a Falcons fan uh, early here in the season. Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. He goes out there in week four. Uh, Kareem Hunt to the rescue uh, for the Cleveland Browns. They ran right over the Dallas Cowboys in a big way. Over 300 yards rushing as a team. That is an insane number. Hopefully Chubb is not going to be out for too long. Talking about maybe four to six weeks. 
with an MCL, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. And uh, last one there from week four, Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers. He's out and uh, on IR for a four to six week period looking like a severe hamstring for him. So uh, in comes Justin Jackson, in comes Joshua Kelly, if you had him on your fa- on your waiver wire or you happen to draft him late in the fantasy drafts, good luck with that. Hopefully uh, he provides you some RB2 or some flex numbers on that one. And uh, looking forward to week five, albeit a little bit uh, cautious with everything COVID related. Hopefully not uh, many games. If at all games are canceled, you, you would hate to see that. And uh, people can get their ducks in a row uh, COVID wise. Uh, transition finally to NLB. The playoffs are going on uh, both in Texas and in Los Angeles. Uh, on the AL side of things, the Tampa Bay Rays have taken a 2-1 series lead over the Yankees. Giancarlo Stanton's on another level right now. Home runs in five straight games, which is a record in itself. And uh, the Rays are on the verge of getting to the ALC. Yes, that would be a big-time win over the Bronx Bombers. Uh, Over the Padres and Dodgers in the NL, that one is full of intrigue. It's nice to see the Padres completely in this series. I mean, they are fighting the Dodgers tooth and nail. Uh, Tatis Jr. is amazing to watch. Machado, great to watch. This team is so fun and so energetic. Uh, It is unfortunate that uh, Mike Clevenger and his elbow is not going to be available for this series. Uh, He exited after second inning there the other night. That elbow was still messed up. And uh, that's bad news for the Padres because, quite frankly, their pitching is not up to par with the Dodgers. I think the experience and the pitching of the Dodgers is going to be too much uh, for this young Padres team to overcome. I still think the Dodgers are going to make the NLCS and uh, and have a really very good matchup uh, leading whether it's the Atlanta Braves or the Florida Marlins. Well, they are up. The Braves are up two nothing in that series. Not very surprising in, in my estimation. Uh, the Marlins are a very young team. The Braves, though, they I mean they lost a bunch of pitching throughout the way uh, in the regular season. So the fact that they are up in this point, very encouraging to see. If you're a Braves fan, uh, Ian Anderson did very well uh, today, October seventh. Uh, he went really deep and did not allow a single run. I don't believe. Very pitched very well for a young guy. Uh, they are on the verge of an NLCS, which would be a great matchup, like I mentioned, with potentially the Dodgers must-see TV there. Uh, very surprising, though, in Game 1, Ronald Acuna Jr. got hit with a fastball there in Game 1. Uh, the bench is cleared. A little bit of uh, talk on both sides of the benches with uh, Don Mattingly. Uh, he was trying to get a little bit of under Acuna's skin, uh, saying some comments. And uh, unfortunately, nothing happened there in Game 2. But uh, this series is uh, almost over for the Braves. Travis Darno, though, for the Braves as well. He's been excellent at the plate. Uh, back-to-back home run games from the catcher. Hasn't been done since Brian McCann, the great Brian McCann, did that for the Braves, I believe, in the early 2000s. Uh, so that series is almost done. Could be a sweep there in the next couple of days. Uh, last one to touch on, the Houston Astros up 2-1 over the Oakland Athletics. The A's, they come back in grand fashion uh, today to win and uh, they keep their series alive there. The Astros can reach the ALCS for the fourth straight year. And in a crazy year like this one, I'm sure the Astros are super thankful that no fans were allowed in the stadiums this year because uh, we've seen everything going on preseason with the, the banners that were flying in the sky of preseason games, all the hit batters in the preseason. And uh, that could have been 
very disastrous and probably still will be whenever fans truly get back into these buildings. But for this year to have that kind of distraction gone from the team is probably well welcomed. So the Astros uh, on their way potentially to another ALCS would be also be a good matchup. Uh, either they take on the Tampa Bay Rays or the New York Yankees. So that's going to wrap things up here. Quick episode here for of On the Board. Uh, very glad you could tune in. Hopefully Lance Dahl, Corey Bacoskis are back next time out. And uh, once again, very happy to be back the last couple days here of the sporting calendar. Hope you enjoy it. My name is Colvin McKee. Thank you so much for downloading and finding us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. We're on Twitter at on the board pod as well. And uh, we can't wait to talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to on the board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes. Yes.